Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today, we are excited to talk about what it means to have contemplative practices on a college campus. And since Christina, Chris, and I are no longer in that season of life, we thought it would be fun to invite someone to join us. So today, we're excited to have Evan Digman, who is a student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So Evan, I wonder if we could start off with you giving us just a little bit of background into how you first connected with contemplative practices. Yeah, so I would say the first memory I have was a a trip that I took with the middle school youth group when I was probably 11 or 12. And we were in northern Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota and we were doing different service work. But one of the interns for the summer, who was a college student, led the group in a guided meditation. And I think that was probably my first memory of engaging with with a meditative practice. And it was in a Christian setting, which was interesting. But I would say for me, when I personally really started to get into it, probably 14, 13 or 14 years old, and really just not feeling, not feeling like I really understood who I was and trying to understand what my place in the world was. So I started to explore. I wasn't really satisfied with the answers that I had always been given in church about who we are as people and who God is. I was never satisfied with the image of the old man and as God and all that. So I really started to explore and looked into Buddhism and meditation. But also, um, as I got a little bit older into my teenage years, started to study more of the Christian mystics as well. And I've continued to dive deep into mostly Christianity and Buddhism. I am part of a church community. I am engaged with prayer and have a deep relationship with Jesus. And also I am uh, training in Zen Buddhism at the same time. So I train in martial arts and, and different ways, the ways they're called fine arts and Zen meditation. So I've definitely taken a winding road, but I, I feel for me that kind of introduction way back when to have a meditation experience in a Christian community was definitely like a both and even though they seemingly can be different traditions they were I was exposed to them simultaneously so that was I feel like kick-started my interest yeah I love it Um, and I feel like you're not alone and people say oh I pull from multiple traditions I'm learning in multiple ways in my life now, which is so fabulous. I think back to when I was in school, like I had certain ways of engaging and coping that were related to my spirituality, but I'm guessing that your ways are slightly different than what I would have had all those years ago. Do you take contemplative practices into your day-to-day experiences, into your study? Does it overlap in any way? Oh yeah. For me, it's, for me, contemplative practice is a way of wholeness for me. It's, it's, how can I integrate these deep traditions and this deeper way of knowing and being into every single moment? There's a possibility there that I sense in my own experience that I really have the potential to fully embody my whole self. And especially as a college student where there's deadlines and all these things to do and identifying with being a student because I have to, I like I have things to do. I have responsibilities um, in my academics and my extracurriculars and other things I'm engaged with, research, science, all that. 
but how can I inhabit those roles in a way that's not limiting who I am, not fragmenting parts of myself? And there's also just the stress of, I, I know so many students, including myself, who just feel so overwhelmed with just even the school aspect side of things, not even to mention everything else that's going on in the world. And so many people my age are so concerned about the climate and the hostility in our culture and all that. So as a student, for me, like now, especially as I've, my, my contemplative practices have become so much more, as I've gotten a little older, about uh, my body and how I am experiencing my body. And so, yeah, I would say every day, like I, I sit in the morning, I sit in the evening, I breathe. And so that this breath awareness is always, sometimes I'm unconsciously breathing, but it, it comes in and out, but it's very much part of my daily experience. Yeah. I love that. I love you talking about contemplative practices being a movement towards wholeness and integration of the full self. And I, I was talking with a college student, we were meeting together and there's all these questions that you have. There's these identity issues that you have as someone moving from one sphere of life into another. And the sphere of life that he was moving into was being a college student. And there seems to be, and even as adults, I think we feel a cultural stream that we're swimming up against the current, like we're trying to navigate, but there's this draw to just cope with the world in universal ways. And so he was talking about getting caught up and going out drinking and things like that as a college student. And I just wanted to ask you, what do you feel like are some grounding practices that, that keep you from being pulled downstream in that current? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a number of things that I do personally. And I'm connected to many different teachers, but one of my teachers, he uses the language of a non-linear de-escalation, something that is so not involved with the current struggle, the current challenge, whatever it is, something that's just so not a part of it that it can really help stop, kind of re reframe, refocus, remember that there's this whole other parts of ourselves that are not tied even into our stress or our challenges. So for me, I it can be as simple as intentionally drinking water all the way to something that's as immersive as singing. Singing is very important part of my practice and music. And I see the guitars and amps behind you, Chris. So I imagine there's some relation there. But I, for me, I it can be as simple as sitting down or even standing wherever I'm at and actually just doing a body scan. I know that's been really helpful for me and noticing where I'm holding tension in my body. And I can, I do a lot of postural work. Posture is very important in Zen training. And so I'm aware of how I'm sitting and I'm aware how my shoulders are often, I have a lot of habits of tension in my shoulders. So I'm very aware of how can I drop my shoulders down. How can I just little adjustments? And so I, I think for people who don't necessarily know where to start in contemplative spirituality, it can be a reflection on what my needs are in the moment and that and just really not knowing always what I need, but 
just being able to reflect on what do I need right now? I get hangry personally, like all the time. And so, and I don't want to hurt people who I love when I get hangry. So it's like simple. It really can be, I would say those little things add up tremendously, or it can be just exploring what meditation is. And there's a lot of different approaches to a sitting practice and a lot of different traditions that have different tools or methods. Meditation has probably been one of my biggest allies in this contemplative journey. I, how I sit now has, is way different than how I sat five years ago. I really learned about how I, how I myself, just my, how my mind works and who I am beyond my thoughts and my identities that are kind of more surface level. So to answer your question about not getting lost in the, the sea, I would say it's for me, I am paying attention to certain kind of flags where I can, where I might, especially as a college student, I don't know, or just people who have stress in general, it's easy to just start spiraling and to start noticing for myself where where are the kind of telltale signs or the road signs that I'm starting to go down that and to notice that. And then in that moment, no matter how far along the road I am, but to notice that and to, and then make a conscious choice to engage with whatever practice, conscious breathing, counting my breath, drinking water, just something that's not related to my schoolwork. And it might even just be a five minute break and that can change everything. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. Yeah. And Evan, I'm struck that you identify that you began these practices as a middle school student and then throughout high school, and you're now a senior here at UW going into grad school. And so I'm curious kind of the evolution of your spirituality and who or what have been some helpful things along the way? Because I'm guessing most 13 year olds aren't really thinking about this kind of stuff as in a general sense. I think there are some that maybe do, but I'm curious to hear about what his community looked like, or has it been more of a solo journey, kind of the ebbs and flows there? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I certainly wasn't. Now I sit for 45 minutes, like very kind of severe practice in, in, in some ways. But when I was first starting out, the freedom to explore was huge. I And I would say the church community that I grew up in was open in a way that they knew who they were. This is a community of Christians who... Um, have values of service and justice. And I always, even though I wasn't really sure how I fit into that or how Christianity fit into my own identity, I found that community specifically, and especially youth groups, early on wrestling with these doubts and having freedom to express um, fear and confusion and not knowing and the mysteries and the big questions early on and having a safe place to do that was important for me because in, in some ways, this journey that I've had is been so personal and so tied to my own life experience. And at the same time, I don't think that I would be where I am without having this home, these homes, these spiritual homes that I've moved in and out of and to have people mentor and other adults who were at different stages of life and having those kind of intergenerational relationships at an early age really was super validating to hear like a 60 year old man tell me that he was still didn't 
was still wrestling and didn't know, but felt such a power in the love that he experienced at church and his love for working with youth. It's inspiring to see people at different stages still just be so in wonder of the mystery of life and living to see that as a as especially as a young person and as an adolescent and now a young adult and my teachers and mentors and pastors and friends and this kind of sacred wrestling that i feel is uh has been it's empowering i don't know it's there's I'm always skeptical of people who say they know. <laughs> so it's like the freedom to explore in those communities as a young age was tremendously impactful. Yeah. And then I am curious to hear how this might interact like in your peer relationships. I think of we have a high schooler and they have these kind of enrichment times. And one of their topics was calming techniques. And she has a ton of them for various reasons that she's picked them up, partly because of me, partly because of her. And um, at one point, the teacher shut her down. I think she said the word meditation or something. And the teacher was like, that's too advanced. Does Do you have, does this engage in your peer-to-peer relationships? Does that happen? Do you share with others? Does it help others? How does that work? Yeah, I'm very open about my spirituality, my religious contemplative background. And my friends know my, I, you know, some last couple years, actually, up until last year in COVID. And then in last year, I, I led a sitting group at the church I'm a part of a meditation sitting group. And there was wildly varied participation. I, you know, it ended up, I ended up not doing it anymore because people weren't showing up. But I find myself, even in my friendships, just sometimes struggling to, to communicate how, what my spirituality is, but also how to share that in a way that could maybe be helpful for somebody else who is interested in it. But I think, yeah, I tell my friends all about this, all the time about the stuff that's going on with me and how, how it's tied into my practices, my training. If you ask my roommates, they would probably say, I don't stop talking about the dojo and the sword training and the zazen and the meditations for days. And I was like, but I'm I'm grateful in that. I feel it. I don't feel the need to tell people that they should do this, that they should undertake this. Because for me, it's this kind of or this organic process where I discovered it for myself that I found real power in it for me. So I, I just try to create the environment in my relationships, friendships, peer relationships, where maybe I'll bring up what I'm doing. Like a, about a month ago, I did a four-day Zen session, which is like a intensive period of meditation where I'm basically sitting all day and doing different work and stuff like that. And one of the most transformative things I've ever done. And I, sometimes I would just tell people that's what I was doing this weekend. So it was like, that was an invitation to share for what I'm about, what I'm doing and to not be like, I get all these benefits from it and you should too, but just to have that openness where, you know, this is who I am and this is how it leads to a deeper discussion of who we are and maybe inquiry into what's your spirituality? Do you have a spirituality? Um, How does that How's that experience been for you? So I think for me, I just have an openness to talking to people and talking about my experience. And I found that often leads to people 
more curiously inquiring about what do you do? What, is, how, what does this mean for you, for your life? And I've found that people are interested and want to know more, not necessarily getting into it as much always, but I think there's this idea in, among college students that there's not enough time for anything and that stuff like meditation is just like, or going to church or getting connected with a spiritual community is just another thing on the list to, of to-dos. Like I, I really, that's so prevalent. It's like when I invite someone to come sit with me or, you know, come to the Zen Dojo or come to church, it's always a Sunday night or it's, I got homework. So it's a balancing. And I found that people respond most of the time very curious about why I'm so invested, super passionate about this part of my life. So yeah, I hope that kind of touched on your question a little bit. Yeah, I loved you talking about the relationship that I think we all experience, right? It's this relationship of being versus doing. There's lots of doing in life. Like we feel like we have to do this, we have to do that. And what I hear you saying is there's an invitation to a way of being. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that was so rich and beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story with us. So Evan, I wonder in closing, if someone is curious about contemplative spirituality and what that might mean for them, what might you offer as a beginner step, a one thing to try along these lines? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think because there is so many contemplative practices from so many traditions, I, I definitely relate to the feeling overwhelmed of not knowing where to start and how do we, where to begin. So for me, I, from my experience, what has been most helpful in finding practices that work for me, that is an identification of what I'm, why I'm looking for practice and maybe what's the need behind that practice or that search for a practice. For example, a need for connection. Um, in, in contemplative spirituality through a lens. It, for me, like I, I find that when I'm singing with other people or another example, my own anxiety and a need to, to something deeper than just coping, understanding what is underlying that, that anxiety. Um, and that's it's definitely important to, to seek professional mental health help if that's something people are struggling with. And I found that through, for me, through sitting practice, through meditation practice, that I can start to see these patterns for myself of when anxiety starts to rise. So my, my suggestion is, for somebody interested, is to um, to think about what, they're, what they need and to reflect on that and to explore, to really not hold back in the initial search of what practices will work for me, what feels right for me. And a last note is to get feedback from other people to and to ask people who you trust about your about the, this exploration and if they've tried it or if they're involved in any spirituality. Because I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on the spiritual marketplace. And I think it's very important to use discernment. And I, it's a lifelong process. Very wise answer. I like that to reflect a little bit more. And again, just maybe highlighting, and you said this earlier, I think particular adolescence, young adult years, such opportunity for exploration and to try things on in multiple areas of life, what we're going to study and certainly with our spirituality. So thank you so much. What a delightful conversation. We're so grateful that you joined us today. 
And now is the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. What are we into, folks? I am, it's so funny, but I'm into little notepads. Like somehow I inherited a number of these and there's always that little note to jot down and I'm always scrounging around trying to figure out where to write it. Now I have these cute little notepads. So I'm into that. Nice. We have several of those around our house. So that is a nice thing to be into. I am into Greek food, which is not a surprise because I'm 100% Greek, but specifically domadas. And the restaurants in Madison are lacking in this particular department. And Chris and I are getting ready to celebrate our 22nd anniversary this week. And we will be going to St. Louis for a getaway. And part of that is diving into Spiro's restaurant and getting some domadas. So I am very much into Greek cuisine. Nice. I do not appreciate domadas, but I love me some flame and cheese. I probably won't order it, but hopefully I'll get to hear it sizzle when we're in Spiros. One of the things that I am into is very boring compared to what you guys are into. I'm into uh, winter car washes, like the snow that gets on the road and then the salt and the brine. I just want to keep that off my car. And so I'm being a little bit of a car wash Nazi in the middle of this upcoming winter. And we have a local gas station that sells car washes by the tens. And so every once in a while they have this card, you get 10 car washes. It goes on sale for half the cost, less than half the cost for 10 car washes. And so I am eagerly waiting for the next sale of car washes to go on sale so I can stock up so I can just keep all that nastiness off my car because rust is a real thing here in the great white north. So I'm into something very boring, but I'm very passionate about my boringness. I can tell he's flashing the gift card in front of us as we speak. So thank you for what you're into. It was great being with you. And until next time, make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.